Hello, Alaska. This is Pat Race. And this is Matt Buxton. And this is a podcast about Alaska. All right. And so today we're joined by uh, a good longtime friend, Andrew Kitchenman, who is the new editor-in-chief of an exciting uh, new media outlet in Alaska that I sure hope isn't going to steal my lunch, but... uh, (laughs) Uh, it's called The Beacon. And um, well, I guess let's just have Andrew talk about it for yeah, us. Let's, Andrew, let's introduce, this introduce, tell us what we're looking at, because this started out as like State's Newsroom, and then it was like the mysterious unnamed news project, and now it is the Alaska Beacon. Uh, tell us more. So uh, the Alaska Beacon is a new state government and politics news organization that is launching on May 11th. It has a staff of four, it is part of a larger uh, national nonprofit that's called States Newsroom that was founded five years ago with the goal of improving the coverage of state government across the country by launching state-based organizations in each state. So it's truly an Alaska organization in the sense that all of the employees are Alaska journalists. And we're going to make all of our key editorial decisions about what to cover and how to cover it here in Alaska. But we are part of this larger national nonprofit. It's been used to calling it state's newsroom thing. Yeah, it's like the the best informed Alaskans are most incorrect about the name of our organization because they follow (laughs) things so closely that they, you know. So the reason that there was confusion about the name is each state rolls out a name. They don't centrally determine that. It's, it happens organically uh, as part of the uh, development uh, and prep work for the launch. And uh, I got the name uh, Alaska Beacon, Alaska Beacon. So if you hate it, you can blame me. If you <laughs> love it, then uh, please tell me that because I, I need to hear that. Tell me about um, the inspiration for that. The very first step was that I looked at James Brooks has worked with historical, with the library on uh, digitizing newspapers and other people have worked on it as well. And so there, there's an archive of essentially defunct newspaper names there. And I wanted a name that sounded like a news organization because I, I wanted when I say it to, for people to, to say uh, that sounds like a news organization. I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily going to use a, a defunct Alaska newspaper name, but I, I happened to see a bunch on this list that intrigued me, including a, a paper that existed in Dillingham in the early 50s. Unfortunately, I have taken the research no further on the Dillingham beacon. But I, what I liked about it when I saw it was that Alaska is a coastal state. It includes some huge share of all the United States coast. And for a time period, lighthouses were very important um, in navigating the coast. So there is a uh, Alaska geographic connection. And I guess I'm going to say it in a conversation with Matt, Matt's partner pointed it out, as many people who grow up in Alaska would be able to, that the word beacon is in the Alaska state flag song. Yeah. And uh, Beacon Bright, um, as people may remember, um, or as pretty much it seems like every Alaskan remembers. Over land and sea, a Beacon Bright. Yeah. I'm guessing, unlike every other state in the country, if you get a bunch of Alaskans together, they can sing uh, their state song. Um, 
which it perhaps says something about Alaska, or at least the requirements of the Alaska education system. <laughs> or Alaska middle schools, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> so I liked that, uh, and you know, I and I, you know, I like the concept of a media organization being something that people can turn to to rely on, to guide them, to draw them to the light of truth. You know, as a journalist, I, I think journalists can go a little too far in cloaking themselves in the language of the truth. Um, we do what we can. Hopefully we're factual. Yeah. Um, so those were a few things. I will say that there were limits placed on me. Um, the the uh, state newsroom will, will not go with a name that would cause a legal problem. Um, and you can't call yourself legal. the Anchorage Daily News. Or Must Read Alaska for that. Must read, yeah. yeah. So this is a, a national nonprofit agency that's working to better local news in all 50 states or in a collection of states. Um, they've, they've been adding states consistently. So I don't know if there's been a definitive statement that they're going to go to every single state, yeah. um, but they've been, they are adding uh, states. They're constantly adding states. Uh, Alaska Beacon's the 27th that is either a state's newsroom organization or a partner. There are three partners. So we're the 24th that is directly under the umbrella of state's newsroom. So, so can you tell us maybe a little bit about like how that relationship works between, um, you know, your group of your core group of four local reporters and this nonprofit agency that kind of oversees a lot of different newsrooms? Like, is this sort yeah, of like a clear channel setup or is this different than that? <laughs> well, I, I mean, there are certain things that are centralized, like web design is centralized, web support, uh, IT support, payroll. The budget is set by the national office, but I control the budget. So I'll be making the decisions as far as spending the budget. As a first-time editor, I'm, I'm looking at some of my colleagues, particularly in the Western states, for their experience launching their sites and how they do their jobs. So it's a support network. I have an editor who oversees me uh, his name is Sean Scully, and he basically has, is just a, a support for me. So the relationship is, is like, as a business, as a nonprofit organization, we are, we are a part of it. And there, there are certain non-editorial functions that they handle. Mm -hmm. But um, at the end of the day, you know, I got to decide the name. I got to decide who I hired. I got to decide what the beats are going to be. Um, in, co in conjunction with the reporters. So it sounds like you, you get a lot of editorial freedom, right? So, I mean, is there any sort of directive at all as far as like what you're covering or how you're covering it? Or is that really left to you? Well, it's state, it's state government, state politics. They, they'd like to see us have a lot of stories. So we're going to have a steady flow of stories. That's basically our requirement. We're not such an investigative outlet that we could just like shut ourselves down for six months and then produce a book or something. So there's that kind of requirement that's set by state's newsroom. We're going to do a commentary every day. That's sort of the part of what I signed on to. So when I say we're going to, we're going to publish a commentary, most of those are going to be submitted uh, opinion pieces like you would see in a newspaper op-ed section. You know, I want it. I want to be fresh and interesting. And so I don't know that's going to be a work in progress. But the day-to-day so -day operations, the day-to-day -day, like storytelling though, how does that, you know? Yeah, yeah, it? no, I mean, I'm going to be the editor. So I'm going to edit the story as reporters and I will work together 
to decide what to cover. All that is being done in Alaska. Tell us a little bit about your team and what you're excited about. Like, what are some of the, can you give us a taste of maybe some of the things you're going to start out covering? Um, We're juggling a lot of things. So the reporter started on Monday and Tuesday and we're launching next Wednesday. And that's a pretty short gap for the scale of work that we want to do. And I'm really letting each reporter um, you know, that we're, we're working together on what stories we're going to do. I think it's a little premature for me to say what's going to be up next week. Cause I don't, I don't want to promise something that uh, like, I don't have them queued up. I haven't edited stories. Uh, there's a lot that still needs to be done. So one of our reporters is James Brooks, who people who follow Alaska politics may be familiar with. Uh, he has served as the Anchorage Daily News's uh, session reporter and primary legislative reporter and primary, I would say, political reporter for the past three years. Prior to that, he had a similar role with the Juno Empire. So he's basically continuing to do his job uh, down in Juno. He sort of seamlessly on Friday, he was working for the ADN. On Monday, he was working for us. And he will be rolling out stories that are going to be not far out of line with the work he's been doing uh, previously, you know, as their daily developments in the last week of the session, uh, James will be covering them as will our other two reporters. Uh, they are Lisa Fu and Yarth Rosen. All states newsroom sites have uh, subject areas or beats. Beats is a real traditional journalism term. Um, if you go to a state's newsroom site, the sites look similar. Again, that's because uh, web, web design is one of the centralized features. And, and part of that design is that there are major subjects that each organization covers that are listed across, across the top of the page. So we got to decide what those are. And I, I had to make the final decision before the three reporters had started, but I had had preliminary discussions with them. We're going to have a government and politics beat, and James is going to be the, the I would say, lead uh, person on that. And that's going to be a lot of stories that are about the legislature and the governor and state politics and elective politics. We're planning after the filing deadline, we're going to sort of replace that at the top of our page with uh, election 2022, because we are going to be covering the election. Beyond that area, we have four other feats. So Lisa Fu will primarily be covering education issues and what we're describing as justice issues. We're going to define that as we go along, but I'm my, my idea for it is that it's justice defined broadly to include the criminal justice system and all the pieces of it, but also uh, civil rights and through that social justice. And so there will be a a uh, broad range of topics that Lisa can ta- tackle, tackle there. Um, and Lisa Fu is someone who I worked with uh, six years ago briefly when I first came to Alaska. She's a former reporter for the Juno Empire and KTOO in Juno, as well as the Wrangell Sentinel and KSTK in Wrangell. And she was a great reporter when she worked for KTOO, tenacious, a great storyteller, someone who can really connect policy to how it affects people's lives, which is one of the things that we want to do at Alaska Beacon. And as exciting as for people who follow, have been following Alaska politics on a daily basis, you would know that hiring James would be for our organization. Hiring Lisa and Yarth Rosen are equally exciting. 
Lisa's great. Lisa, I've known for a long time. I mean, obviously living here in Juneau, she's really professional. And I just view your, all the journalists that you guys have in your lineup just seem like really top-notch kind of straight arrow cream of the crop journalists. And so I'm very excited to, to see what you produce. I sort of skipped over, but Lisa has been working in public service and municipal government for the last few years. She's also kept a foothold in audio storytelling as an audio producer um, and she's also produced her own audio uh, memoir, which I'm interested in in uh, hearing when it's released, when she releases it. So I had ever, ever since Lisa had left full-time journalism, I was eager to see her return to it because I always think it's a shame when a, a great reporter leaves a, that. And I did not think I would be the one who would be able, who would be able to bring her back in. And I'm really happy about it. Um, Yareth is one of the most experienced, in a state where I don't think there are that many experienced journalists who've been at it for a long time, who've stayed in journalism. A lot of people who had experience in journalism in Alaska have moved on and done other things. Yareth has been a journalist in Alaska for um, more than 20 years and is incredibly knowledgeable about issues related to the environment in Alaska and energy issues. Uh, she's written a lot about uh, the economy. So she has worked for Reuters uh, on like a contractor or like freelance kind of basis. She also was at the Alaska Dispatch News and then the Anchorage Daily News as their climate editor and really did great work there. Her stories are really interesting. She's been writing more recently for uh, Arctic Today and really doing interesting uh, I would say sort of magazine style stories that look deeply at the impact of climate change on the Arctic and on the communities in Alaska that are most vulnerable to the effects of climate change. Yeah, so I, th I think she's, she's a really good writer. She's a really, really knowledgeable reporter, um, someone whose byline I've always been interested in reading her stories when I see it. And uh, Yes, I'm very excited to have Yareth. And so she'll be covering. Frequently, you'll see news organizations that will have the be energy and the environment. There's a um, there's a Washington, D.C. publication that has that as, as its name. And um, with Alaska, I didn't want to exclude some key parts of our economy. So I'm calling the beat the economy and the environment because so much of Alaska's uh, economy affects the environment. I don't know if there's been a news organization. That, it's a pretty broad area, I admit, but we'll see. I'm, I'm real, I think that's the right beat for Yareth. Uh, and she'll also be covering health issues for us. So the main sort of things that the state deals with, like education and health, like, like, that are like the big spending engines of state government, we will have reporters uh, looking at. And it sounds like you're pretty flexible and adaptable at this point. So if things could change and grow and evolve. Yeah, I... I we are a new organization and we're not tied to any past. Uh, so we can try things. We can try things and not love them. We can try things that are new that become new things that we permanently adopt. So yeah, I, I want us to be something fresh and different. And I want us to be bold in the decisions we take. But I also really want us to be reliable and, and drawing on the traditions of good journalism. So I'm, I'm kind of curious. I started out in the state house in 2011 or 12. I can't remember now. And I think you and I and James kind of overlap, but I was sort of on my way out um, as you guys were coming in. And my time there was, you know, 
I think both of the TV stations had a reporter and a cameraman. The news miner had a person there. You know, there were quite a few. That was a, it was a it was a packed newsroom um, in the Capitol building, and I think it had a really strong sort of sense of of I don't know. It was it was it was busy. I think, and, and I'm kind of curious as to how it's changed. I think you know some of the language I've seen that you've talked about goes around, you know, filling the gaps in the, in the state. And so I'm kind of just curious about how it's changed and, and what, how you sort of view your guys's place in it and how do you fill that sort of space? It has changed. And I think that is a part of why our organization is needed. Pew just produced a report in, I believe the last month that looked at the decline in the number of state capital reporters across the country and there has been a major decline and Alaska was one of the leaders as far as a percentage decline. And that it, I forget the time period, but it's pretty recent. And it went for, they, they, by their account, they went from 10 to six, which um, I, could, I, could, I could, I think I could guess that. I mean, the, the, the four that would decrease would have been the Fairbanks Daily News Miner no longer has someone coming down for the session. Associated Press no longer has two reporters covering sessions. And as you said, the TV stations, well, one TV station doesn't exist anymore. So there's only one TV reporter and we've lost the two photojournalists who also provided eyes and ears and, and, and helped all of us be better reporters. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think a lot changed after that set, that last session that you were at, Matt, the 2016 session, the, uh, Bryce Edgman became the first Democratic speaker in 24 years. The, the way the House um, conducted itself changed a lot. In general, what we've seen in the last six years is all four caucuses have moved away from holding press conferences from a time where almost all of them held almost every week held a press conference to a point where we almost have no press conferences whatsoever. I'm not saying that the, the uh, legislators are, are entirely inaccessible. I mean, generally speaking, if you pursue interviews, very, very often you can get them. Um, and the, the leadership tries to hold smaller things that essentially have replaced the uh, press conferences. I think there's some loss to the public there because gavel would carry the press conferences. I think sometimes the formality of the press conference, the, the, what we do now is, feels less formal. And I think there was advantage in some ways to the formality of the press conferences, tonally, the fact that there were multiple legislators attending them. So I think that's a real loss. But um, yeah, there, there are fewer people covering it. That room is uh, more comfortable than it was in 2016. <laughs> it, did get, the, the, it did become a little bit like a hamster cage by the end of session. Yeah. Yeah. By the end of the, the yeah, I always felt by midway through for, session, for really. Yeah. I thought I, I remember going up and visiting you guys there and it was just like, uh, like the beginning of session was everyone said like tidy and neat. And then by the end of session, it was just a zoo. I know I have pictures of my desk from like the final days of session where it was just like, it was like yeah. a pack rat's nest. Basically it was just stuffed full of stuff. Yeah. It stunk. It stunk. <laughs> um, and, and it was, I remember was, there were a lot of lunches, a lot of gross lunches that people were it was like eight into. men and, and Liz rain. So I felt a little bad, bad for her, but yeah. Um, so can you talk a little bit, you guys have an interesting distribution model, right? So you're going to have your own website, but isn't, is, are you guys doing something through creative commons? Is that how it is working or what's the availability yes. of everybody else? Yeah, that's really central to our model and central to how Alaskans are going to encounter our, our news. 
So as far as I know, the state's newsroom organizations are the first to ever license all of their content through Creative Commons, which means that they are freely available, not only freely available to the public, but they're freely available to other news organizations to republish at no cost. So with attribution, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we, ask, we ask that they, they attribute our work to us. Um, there's just a couple other limits, basically, like if you use our photos, use it with the story that the photo was published with. Yeah. And then, we, yeah, so there, there are a few sideboards, but basically it's really unique. I mean, it's, it's parallel to something like what the Associated Press does. The, the Associated Press is, is kind of nonprofit. It's a, a cooperative that's owned by all the newspapers, but it's got a, a kind of membership model of the newspapers paying in. So does that mean that your stories might appear in the ADN or um, or on like the Midnight Sun or something? Yeah, like I mean, honestly, I'm looking forward to it because I think that's like one of the biggest struggles. I think I know for, you know, I've been out of a newsroom for several years now, but, you know, I think it, it's always a struggle to cover everything. And especially with a smaller, smaller newsroom and being able to like rely to know that James Brooks is, is going to be covering the main stuff for the legislative session is a huge relief, honestly. And it means that, you know, maybe you could siphon off your reporters to do something else. And I think that's cool. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Th- those decisions are going to be made at the news, the news organization level and that, the, you know, the editors and, and news directors uh, are going to have to decide whether they use our content or how they use it. But um, our goal is that they do use it. Um, I'm going to have been reaching out to, some of those leaders, and um, it's largely been a pretty positive uh, response. Uh, they're very interested to see what we do, um, but I think there's a lot of excitement about the launch of our organization. They're, they're, some of the news organizations are very excited about it because they would love to carry more state news than, than they can now be, because they don't have the, the capacity. Um, yeah, that also seems like a little bit of a potential downside. Like if the ADN says, oh, good, James Brooks still works for us, but we don't have to pay him, then maybe they don't hire someone. Like, how do, yeah. like, are you guys worried I mean, about I stuff think like that? Most, most news organization heads who I know, they like to control what they publish. Um, and that's something they won't have with this. I mean, they can control whether they publish our stuff, but they won't right. control what we're doing. Um, so I think that every. Yeah one who's who has been covering the state will continue to cover the state. Tell me a little bit about that. So you're saying that like, if you work for a tr- like more traditional newsroom, you, they, they're going to send you out on an assignment. Basically, they're going to say, we need you to do this story, not this story. When you become an experienced journalist, often your editors rely on your judgment. And so uh, it isn't the classic. Um, give me some photos of Peter Parker. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But but yeah, that's all happening within that organization. So any news organization that you can think of, um, newspaper, radio station, they have a news, you know, the ones that have news departments, they're making those decisions and they go out and do it. Yeah. Um, we're going to be going out and doing our thing um, based on our judgment. Yeah. So they won't have any control over that. So of course they'd want to still maintain their level of, of having a reporter that they can instruct to go and pursue something. How, how do you approach it when, you know, are you guys looking at trying to kind of duplicate some of that traditional reporting or are the stories you guys are approaching, are they going to be more, I don't know, necessary, not necessarily, I hate the word like enterprise or something like that, but is there kind of a philosophy behind like what you guys cover and how you cover it? I'm kind of curious about that because I know like in the, in the blogging 
world, which is, this is definitely not, you know, but there's sort of an approach of, well, we'll cover what we want to cover, or we'll cover something that's not on the beaten path. And I'm kind of curious about how you approach that from this perspective of, of kind of being a small, honestly, not even a small newsroom at this point, you know, a four person newsroom is relatively big in Alaska. I think uh, to some degree, it's just, there are things that don't really get much, co- there are bills that don't get much coverage during the session um, that maybe now will health bills might be on Yaris radar and education bills might be on Lisa's radar in a way that um they, they aren't to any reporter right now. I mean, I don't know um, the last time I've seen a really in-depth story about any education bill or education policy in Alaska. So that I like that well, to me is a good idea. Yeah, it's good. There's been some coverage of the Alaska Reads uh, Act, but but yeah, it, it's it's uh, there's a lot of room there. Um, we're going to do a lot of quick hits. We are going to have a lot of shorter stories. It's part of the, the goal of having the public be well-informed. We're not going to work off the assumption that because there are other news organizations that the daily stories are going to get covered. I also think that's part of the service we could provide to smaller newspapers and smaller radio stations to doing, doing uh, shorter stories. We're going to have a section called Alaska in Brief that will have those stories the, our goal is to have a lot of really substantive enterprise or um, stories that that um, reporters spend time on that they're proud to to really put together. And the emphasis there, certainly accountability, uh, you know, our, our public dollars being spent wisely on the flip side of that, our, our public needs being met. I think explanatory journalism, like demystifying government, and, and making it clear what these policies mean to people is a, is a piece of it. And I would say analytical, I mean, along the same lines, but just like trying to look at how, how things could play out, what it means. We do want to explain the political side of things. Sometimes policy is made for political reasons, for electoral political reasons, partisan reasons. And we want to be able to explain that. What uh, what can you tell us in terms of longevity? Like, I mean, I I assume this is a little bit of a risk for all of you guys jumping into this brand new thing. Do you have like a, is there a certain time frame or like a, a way to like, how do you know if it's successful and how do we know that it'll continue and, and that kind of thing? What's the future look like? The national leadership of States Newsroom has expressed confidence for the, for the future. I don't have a, a time period I can give you. I can say that in five years, they have not cut back on any of the 23 organizations that preceded us. And, and not just that, but they've grown, they've added states that are adding Alaska and uh, they added Nebraska not that long ago. They've had steady growth. So the people who are uh, supporting it from big national funders to uh, small, small donors, uh, you know, similar to public radio members have been given consistent support. And to the degree to which one can be confident about a job in journalism, I felt confident enough to, to make this jump, um, as did my, my three colleagues. I, I can tell you, the three that people very who, who are here are the, are the only three people who I uh, offered jobs to. So yeah. it was a tempting enough offer that, that I, got, I got the reporters that I wanted. That's great. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's a good point is that, you know, it's as, as stable as any journalism job is because- you know, in the seven years I worked for the news miner, there were several times where we were being called into all staff meetings where 
we're going, oh no, is this the day we're all laid off? So it's not like, you know, the traditional platforms are particularly stable. And that's exactly why I think something like this is uh, such a good sort of new force in, in the scene. Yeah. That's interesting. That's something like from outside perspective, I don't see as well. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, okay. that makes Yeah. Sense. I mean, there's an incredible amount of uh, anxiety about job security in journalism at any level, you know, and you could be, be making, you know, what I was making like 15, maybe $16 an hour, you know, and, and, and not sure it was going to be there the next day. So, you know, looking forward, you know, are you, ta- are you looking at um, freelance stuff? Or are you looking at how, what's the kind of, um, yeah, I think we're, I'm always really interested in that kind of opportunities that are being made here for other people to, you know, continue to, to report and write and talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um, we I do plan on hiring freelancers. Our first freelancer was Rosh McChesney, who took shot, shot some photos for us because we start off without a, an archive of photos. She's a really great photographer who now lives in Alabama. And so uh, we were able to catch her before she left. I, I, I'm new to editing. And so I'm going to be learning the sort of the world of uh, freelance. I mean, there are, there, are, there are really great freelance journalists in Alaska and I hope to work with them. It hasn't been among the areas that I've been able to give a lot of time to so far. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna hire freelancers, both uh, reporter reporters and photographers. We should probably talk some about the commentary section that we're going to be publishing. Um, so every day we're gonna be carrying one of these opinions. Most will be unpaid submitted uh, commentaries. I'm exploring the possibility of having a paid columnist, but um, that's very much. Uh, to be determined. So yeah, that and and I'm going to write a column. I'm, it's not it's not going to be an opinion column. It's going to be a news analysis, like a reported column. News organizations sometimes label certain news stories as analysis. It's sort of news yeah. about the news, like kind of meta. No, no I mean it's more of a roundup. It, yeah, sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's the second day story. But I'm particularly thinking of like looking at data, stories that look at people who've researched topics, who, who are highly knowledgeable about it, and maybe giving a little more weight or space to those who speak from a position of knowledge on topics. So I think that that's specifically what I'm thinking of. I was talking with someone yesterday who uh, said it's like Vox. They do a lot of federal government news. And I don't I don't necessarily think that my, my columns are going to read like Vox pieces, but the kind of goal of um, explanatory um, stuff that takes it a step further than uh, traditional news stories. I was doing a lot of that in my job previous to moving to Alaska, where I was covering healthcare policy for a nonprofit news organization called uh, New Jersey Spotlight. And uh, almost all the stories I did there had a analytical angle to them. Um, So I spent a lot of time talking to experts in healthcare policy. Yeah, that fits in with what I know of you. I think the last time I ran into you, we spent like 20 minutes in the park just like talking about who was going to do what in the legislature or some like really niche policy issue. Yeah, I, I like policy. I mean, it, it. I think I've laid myself out a little bit of a challenge uh, with the week with the weekly column, but I'm eager to to do that. And I'm going to I'm going to write the one story I can tell you will be on the the, the site is I'm going to write an introductory piece where I explain what we're about, who we are, and what we're about. Um, so that will be one of the stories that we publish on day one. And are you going to have any like advertising or like will I see a bunch of election ads on this thing? And is no, yeah. Yeah, we don't do advertising. We don't do the equivalent that you'll see in in some nonprofit media of advertising, like underwriting or sponsorships. 
it is truly a donor funded model and you know donors defined as people who gave us money with express, expecting nothing in return other than um, supporting independent journalism. Yeah, I, I like talking about independent ind- independence and journalism because I think that to me is the definition of journalism uh, is when the people who are doing it are not tied to any interests. They're not working for parties. They're not working for political candidates. They have no vested interest in either. They're not running for office themselves. I think that that nonpartisanship and that like in independence that you're talking about in journalism is really important. Um, I would note that um, the website Must Read Alaska has already kind of started painting your organization with a particular brush. And I don't know if you want to respond to any of that criticism here or if you want to talk about that at all, but I'd, you know, I'd like to hear about that. The thing is, I mean, what people are, are buying when they give money to uh, Alaska Beacon is independent journalism dumped by journalists who've been doing this for a long time. If they wanted to accomplish some other goal, um, they could give money to that other goal. We're gonna ask difficult questions of politicians of all parties, of all political stripes. So uh, we're not serving any interest other than what we're defining, I would say, as the public interest, the the broad um, shared common good. And, you know, as far as the the people people are gonna read into this, you know, people project what they want into anything that's related to politics. Things are super polarized right now, which is, I think, ideally one of the things that a well-informed public, informed by facts, will reduce. I mean, it will reduce the polarization, um, I think. So, so, so the, the, I, I fully expect that, you know, every news organization has been attacked by Must Street Alaska. And you know, what are you going to do? I, I think, you know, it's, it's good that not every outlet in the state approaches things the same way. And even if things are in, in, inaccurate, if a story says that I'm based in Juneau when I'm based in Anchorage, or a story says that a lawyer is on the state's newsroom board who isn't on the state's newsroom board. I, I'm a big fan of a line uh, in a poem by the poet, the 18th century poet, William Blake, where he said, uh, everything possible to be believed is an image of the truth. And I, that doesn't mean that I think everyone that everything that anyone believes is true, but you can learn something by it, by listening to it. And I try to learn, you know, if only what people's agendas are by their actions. So I, I would like us to be judged by our actions and the reporting we do. I can take more questions. That's good. <laughs> That's good. I was, that I was, was really good. Matt, Matt some space to, to talk. I'm trying to, trying to think of anything. Um, I feel like there hasn't been enough humor. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I know. I, I, you feel, I'm a serious, I guess I'm serious when I'm talking. I feel take Alaska very, Beacon seriously. <laughs> yeah, you feel a little a little tense, you know, and I think that it's, uh, you know, we're all very familiar, but I think this is a big undertaking for you, right? It's like you're you're kind of stepping off in, in a major leadership role that you haven't had before. So I think maybe that you are, uh, you know, I think that you are kind of coming to this a little more buttoned down than than if we caught you on the sidewalk and talked about it. Yeah, well, of course, I was sort of legendarily uh, a joker on public radio. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah, you're <laughs> you're always the jokes guy, Andrew Kitchenman. Where where are um, your legendary zingers? <laughs> no, I, I, t- I take my job seriously. I've taken all of the jobs I've done seriously, and uh, you know, no, you have. I, in my observation of you know, I I've seen all you guys come into Alaska and do the work that you've done here, and I you know I I 
trust the work that you and James do. I trust the work that Lisa does. I trust the work that Yareth does. I trust the work that Matt does. When I get a phone call, <laughs> when I see Andrew, barely, you're at the bottom of the list, Matt. When I right. see, oh. when I see oh, a phone, on the list. when I see a phone call from Andrew Kitchenman, and it's not about like what time is board game night, I get super like I know he's going to ask me hard questions. And I've been asked hard questions by James Brooks and I've been asked hard questions by, you know, even Lisa has done some stories on our little comic shop downtown. And I was like, you know, it, she, it, she's really doing her job and she asks good probing questions. And so I think that I, I already, you know, out of the gate, I've seen the work that you do and I trust the work that you do. And I'm excited that you are going to be doing more and that you're going to have your kind of untethered a little bit you're like going to be get to do this on your own terms and you're going to get to define what that means I, in some ways i don't think it's fair for us to ask you like what's going to happen next because i think that it's going to take you in directions that even you don't know right now and i'm very excited to see how it grows and changes yeah i'm just excited for you to move to anchorage you know i think uh you know we got to know each other in that 2016 session um, and you know, the, the times that we've been able to hang out and chat have always been really valuable. And I think that, uh, just on a personal level, I'm excited for that, but, um, what are some of the, so you're, you're moving, right? So what, what are you already have moved, I guess, but what are some of the things just, you know, outside of it that you're looking forward to in this new sort of life change? Um, cause you know, we could talk again about all the hypotheticals with what this new organization is going to look like, but you know, what are you looking forward to with living in Anchorage and with doing this kind of new endeavor that I would assume is probably a little more flexible, but maybe also maybe more all consuming. I'm looking forward to that 41st mile of driving, <laughs> hitting, hitting a, a number that has previously been impossible for the last six years for me. I'm already enjoying the climate here. I love many aspects of Juno's climate, but you know the the constant rain is wasn't my favorite. So that's that's really nice here. Um, I do have a, a bunch of friends here, and so it's really great to to be able to see them. It was kind of cool that the two days after I moved here last week, the Alaska Press Club held their first large in person event in three years, and uh, it was great to see people who I hadn't seen in three years. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I've looked at Anchorage from afar for a really long time, and uh, now I'll get to feel what it's like. Yeah, the gathering was really fun. I um, it was the first time uh, Chanda and I uh, accidentally broke our 180s day uh, New York Times crossword puzzle streak uh, because we forgot <laughs> forgot to do it that day. But it was worth it. I think hanging out with everybody was like totally. I don't know. It was really refreshing. I think refilling. Today was the hundred second time I did Wordle and I failed for the first time. I I just uh, just missed it. That happens. Uh, I I'm I'm kind of curious about the. I, I can't accept that, Pat. <laughs> no, I mean I don't. I, with Wordle, I was safe out of the gate because I didn't understand what I was doing the first time I played, and I just wrote a bunch of random words and then lost. I was like, I don't get this game. And so then the next day I got it, but I started with a broken streak already. So it was, you know, I'm safe. It's great. It's like getting a B in high school. You don't have to stress about being a 4.0 student anymore. The, uh, the question I have is like about reception. How many people have signed up for your newsletter? Are you getting a lot of excitement or, uh, uh, I saw Dave Donaldson was really excited about this thing. Uh, Dermot Cole hasn't trash talked to you yet. Like, it seems like you're it seems like the reception has been good, but I'm kind of curious about your perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to give you the numbers because the numbers are going to be different by the time this goes out to the public. But in the first, well, I will give you one, one number. In the first 13 hours, 
after we launched on Twitter, the equivalent of one in a thousand Alaskans were following us on Twitter, which I thought was pretty good. It's like, you know, a measurable number and a, a measurable impact in a really short period of time. I've been busy. We announced our name and our launch date yesterday, and I've been busy, spent a lot of time on social media. And so I'm not circulating out in the world. And I wouldn't expect a lot of people to be talking about us. We don't have any news stories out yet, but um, I think we've, we've succeeded in our initial first day goals of, of uh, creating some excitement and interest. And I felt that all along, uh, you know, as each uh, over the past month, each of the reporters has announced uh, that they were joining us. And after each one, it basically happened once a week. And after each one, hundreds of people liked it on Twitter. And, and uh, I feel like, so there's been a, a sort of growing sense that this was coming for a while. And, and that's our goal. I mean, it's something that the state's newsroom uh, outlets have done across the country. I think for people who follow politics, who want to know more about what's happening in the state political world, um, it's a good thing. And people know it. And I think I'm confident that that will happen. And hopefully we've projected that enough that the people who care will be excited about it and the people who don't currently care about politics that more of them will as, as as our stories filter out and people become better informed about what's happening in Alaska state government. So if I want to unsubscribe from Matt's news and I want to read your news, what's the best way to track you down and find you? <laughs> yeah, well, I think uh, those are two steps. So, so the first <laughs> one, you have, to email, you have to email Matt. I don't know. You probably have his contact information. Um, but I, you shouldn't do that. I'm, well, <laughs> no, I was joking. <laughs> I love Matt. I'm not. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I think so we can all live together. Go, yeah. go to Alaska. You can go to alaskabeacon.com to sign up for our morning newsletter. We're going to have a daily newsletter. We're calling it the Morning Light, and it will basically summarize. You know, you'll get links to all of our stories each day. Details of the the newsletter we're still working out, but you can already sign up for it, and that guarantees that you'll get the first one when it comes out on the eleventh. Great. Yeah, I think like you're just doing some like kind of alternative story formats too. I think that we all sort of get locked into an idea of what journalism like has to look like when it's finally like you know done and buttoned up. But I think you know smaller, more digestible pieces, the newsletter you know, that, that weekly analysis column, I think are all really fun ideas. And I'm really looking forward to how it comes together. I appreciate it. James is already thinking of, you know, things are a little creative or different. Lisa, I think is going to bring a really bold and fresh approach to how to cover state issues. And Yareth is coming in for a full-time position for the first time in a while. And is really excited about it. It's sort of brimming with story ideas and uh, wanting to build on all the work she's done covering climate change and the the North the Arctic. So I think, yeah, we're going to have stories that you're not going to see anywhere else. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see how you guys fit into things and uh, what kind of stories you come up with. And I just, it really feels like a nice little anchor stabilizing force in Alaska's news news environment. Oh, okay. is it too late to call it the anchor? <laughs> no, that would be, that, that would not be good. I think uh, that was the one that I kept on trying to sell you on early in the process. And I think, my... I think on, upon reflection, I think Beacon uh, a bright guiding light versus Anchor a big hunk sink. of metal that yeah. sinks and weighs you down is probably a good idea. See, I always wanted to do a newspaper here called the Juno Sun, just because it's, you know, Juno <laughs> and it, it's famously sunny. 
we, we talked a little bit about n- your philosophy, your news philosophy. I'd love to talk a little bit more about that. Actually, if you got a second, the, uh, like this, I, the, I, the news feels like it's, you know, the, the job of journalism feels like it's changing so much. And I just kind of wonder, what do you think is important to the, to being a journalist? I mean, I have critiques of traditional journalism. I mean, some of it is a little dated because news organizations have changed a lot, but I think a traditional danger in covering state government is that you, you get so caught up in the details that you lose sight both of how this stuff affects people's lives and, and just the fact that need, people need more context to understand what the heck you're talking about. Yeah. So you're, you're covering a story day in and day out and do you forget that you kind of need to step back and re-explain it again? Yeah. And I I think, you know, that, that isn't true for all media. For instance, I think the Associated Press has always been really good at giving context in their stories, but it's a danger that I hope to avoid. I think, you know, I think one thing that's inspiring about journalism through all the terrible things that have happened is often you'll see good things that, that happen as a result of strong factual reporting. Like, you know, when Jeremy Shea did a story for KTOO about um, workers at Eagle Crest making less than minimum wage, that, that changed after the story was published. And so I think when journalism is done really well, it, it, it can have that kind of direct impact on people's lives. I also think that good journalism is factual. And I think that the whole political world is becoming sort of unmoored from, because it doesn't want an anchor, it's become unmoored from uh, from sticking to the facts that people, people are so sure of their own beliefs and feel that they understand things so completely that I think they can have blinders. I really think good journalism does stick to the facts. It doesn't, you know, you, you have to go in maybe with some ideas to do a story, but um, you have to be ready to change those ideas. I mean, if you look at you know, the kind of stories that win Pulitzer Prizes and stuff, it's because often because reporters looked at a longstanding problem with fresh eyes. And I really, I love journalism. I mean, that thing, when I was talking about independence, I think it's, it's so important with politics and thinking about anything with politics to think through things yourself and to, I'm not saying do your own research because I think Often you can rely on good news organizations like public radio or the Associated Press or the ADN or Alaska Beacon to uh, be sources of information. And you don't have to go to conspiracy theorists on the internet to understand things better. But um, I think that when people start to have a personal stake in the success of individual politicians or political parties, can get, they can get in a very dangerous area because then they, they start to tie their sense of identity to the success of parties and politicians. And I think that that's dangerous because often politicians and parties don't have each individual who supports them's best interest in mind, or even if they start off from a, a, a position of, you know, see, seeking things for the public interest, you know, once you wield power, then you, you sometimes people who are comfortable in power uh, can um, become, you know, use that power in ways that are not entirely in the public interest. And so uh, I think being a journalist when it's done well allows you to have some distance from that. It's almost required as part of the job, but I think like I feel almost privileged to be in that position where I've sort of as part of my training and my experience as a journalist, I've gotten to this point where I I try to keep all of that at a a distance. How does that work in a state this small? It just seems so hard to 
maintain that kind of professional distance in such small communities where, you know, everyone's related to someone who's in the legislature or, you know, it, it seems like a very uh, tricky environment to navigate. Everyone already has to deal in their lives with people who have different political values than I have. I just find that happening with myself a lot more, like what you're talking about, that entrenchment. And, you know, like I, I want to support people and I want to like lift up people who are doing good work. And it becomes dangerous and fraught when you tie your efforts into individuals or when, when, or when people tie their efforts into you as an individual, because people are human and they're full of failings and deficiencies. And, you know, that in Alaska, I feel like is so much more pronounced because we we're all kind of here together and people make mistakes and they're still here. And we, you know, we still rely on them in ways. And it's, it, it just, it seems like such a, much different situation than it must be in larger states. I want to jump in here a little bit. This this is an issue that I think has really been interesting to me too, is that, you know, I think that we, we kind of have a, this idea that we are these like robot robots that are, can, you know, covering stuff is a little bit, you know, invented. I think that we are all people with judgments and we, you know, have professional, you know, a lot of us have training to sort of look at those sort of things. And I think, what Andrew was saying about, you know, realizing other perspectives and that sort of stuff is great. I think though, that one of the really main kind of driving factors, my, you know, I'll take a beacon for a lot of journalists as they approach these issues is that they ultimately want the community that they live in to be better. I think that's like, that's part of it. Right. I think, and I think, you know, we're not here to just simply like report on what happens. We're, you know, there's analysis that's done that I think is, you know, is really critical to bring attention to, you know, long stating issues. And I think that's, you know, and that's coming from a perspective of me as a progressive, you know, out and out progressive reporter here. Um, But I think that a lot of us have a, you know, we all want to be in a functioning, happy, relatively happy community. I think, I think that's really a different, that's a different point than the point I'm making, because I think becoming caught up in interests can happen under that. Absolutely. I mean, if you start to identify the people as the certain people as the good guys, oh yeah, totally. Then, then you know, you may think at that point that you're still contributing to whatever progress you want, but the act of dividing the world into bad guys and good guys, you know, you're sort of empowering the people you've decided are the good guys to do as they please, and you've already decided that you're supporting them regardless of what they do. I mean, not, you know, this is, I'm speaking hypothetically, but yeah. So I, you know, I just think, uh, you know, it's, it's a tricky thing. Um, and yeah, every, I I mean, maybe it's just like a a little personal pet peeve of me, but I do think, you know, traditionally independence has been, uh, valued in journalism. And the more I learned about politics as an adult, and the more I watched politicians sort of decade after decade, the more it resonates to me that that's like a starting point for, I think, sort of a good mature understanding of politics that um, I I don't think is that common. I want to talk about the French philosopher Simone Weil, but I don't know. I dare you. Tell me about the French French philosopher. The French philosopher Simone Weil wrote a short book called On the Abolition of All Political Parties. And she wrote it in the, the early 40s when the two most prominent political parties on the on the planet were the Communist Party of the Soviet Union and the National Socialist Party in Germany, the Nazis. So it's a, like a really different time. But I think she makes really a lot of sort of interesting points that like, 
if you don't think through individual issues for yourself, then you've really given up on your sort of autonomy as a thinking adult. And on the one hand, it's, it's maybe not possible to fully understand every issue. And so there's going to be a tendency if you trust other people to sort of go along with the people who've thought more about it. You could also choose not to do that and just like not take a position on issues that you don't know about. I mean, I, I think that I'm really glad that you said that. I think it's a really interesting point to approach it because I think you, know, you look at the way the legislature has been operating, especially in the last few years. I mean, probably at, at all times too, is that, you know, we start to view issues. The PFD is probably a pretty good example of that, of where I think a lot of us have almost like lost the thread on it. There's like, you know, I, I think so much of what we see in the legislature is, you know, yes, there are all these reasons why they've, you know, push for changes in it. But a lot of it is because they're, you know, people want to deny Governor Dunleavy a win on something, right? And you, we could talk about that at all, all all day, but I think there's definitely, you know, areas where we see that kind of thinking. And so I think, you know, I think if we can push to that, even if we can, you know, if, if you're, you know, I think that there's a lot of legislatures read this stuff. And I think that there's some kind of more clear-eyed look at it. I think that is a really useful thing, not just for informed public, but I think for frankly, an informed legislature. That's, why, uh, you know, some of the strength of having some of these dedicated newsrooms is that they become an important source, not, yeah, not just for the public, but for the legislatures making, legislators making those decisions. I think, you know, yeah. elevating stories, you know, about childcare, about education, I think really. It's like a performance you know, is, review. Is a, pow- is, a, <laughs> is a way to, you know, make positive change. And I think, you know, that's not necessarily the goal that of every single story, obviously, but I think I'm just as someone who's been, you know, increasingly sort of pessimistic about the state of our uh, political system. I think that all those things you said about sort of finding new ways to think about things is really good. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I guess a counter I, I would have to that is that ultimately there's always going to be disagreement and um, about what the definition of progress is. And like, I think that people who have different political values sincerely hold them by and large and, um, they probably usually hold them for good reasons that have to do with their lives or their families' lives. And there's always these disagreements and it's hard enough to resolve them. But then when people aren't working off of factual information, then I think it becomes impossibly difficult. And so, yeah, to that, to that extent, I guess I agree with you that uh, well-done journalism can sort of clear the field a little bit to have an honest discussion about where, where the differences are and then maybe where the common ground is or where we could compromise or not compromise. But when you know the, the debate is essentially sort of driven by top-down talking points by people who are sort of removed from the immediate situation but are doing it you know, for self-interest, then, then, then it just becomes impossible. But you know, politics keep going, regardless of how bad people disagree, at least so far, we've, we've still had a government and, you know, things keep trucking along. Uh, Andrew, I want to thank you for taking some time to chat with us. Uh, I re- really appreciate uh, what you're doing and uh, I wish you the best of luck and uh, to your whole, whole crew as well. And uh, maybe uh, one last time you want to let people know where they can find you and, um, online and how to connect with your organization. Yeah, it's it's alaskabeacon.com. And if you want to email us, it's info at alaskabeacon.com. Okay, great. All right, we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you.
hello to you out there. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to support our work, you can find Matt Buxton at MidnightSunAK.com. He puts out a daily newsletter about what's going on in Alaska politics and the legislature, and it's just really great writing. Uh, and if you want to support my work, you can find me at patreon.com slash Alaska Robotics. And that supports my time editing this podcast and doing a lot of other things like comics and watercolor paintings and things like that. So I really do appreciate it. And a big thanks to Marion Call, whose music we excerpted uh, for our theme song of our show. Uh, that comes from Real Alaskan Girl. Uh, go check it out on Bandcamp.